Guess what? Olive's <laughs> crawling. I can't. I can't do it. I don't understand. I just it. want to push her over. <laughs> stop it. Just stop, stop it. it. Stop it. Get down. Pull her little feet out. Get from down. Her. Get down. Yeah. <laughs> Olive, quit. Stop it. That's enough. She all crawls, looks at you, and you're like, no. No, no. no. I don't like it. It's not good. Stop. <laughs> you like don't praise them because you don't want them to. Do. I can just, you know, she's always so happy and smiling. She'd be like, "What are you doing? Why? What? What? Yeah, you celebrate this... every move I'm Yeah, where's Megan? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't handle. She's it. the smartest baby. She really is. It's because she's listened to us in the womb. That's what in the womb. In the womb. <laughs> she was a normal human baby. Yeah, not a rabbit. She... <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> every now and then, I go back and I listen. To yeah. the Mary Toft episode. Yeah, just I, yeah. To get some giggles. God, it's so good. It's so, that it's episode really is good. so ridiculous. It's really good. Also, we have gotten an abundance of requests for Founding Daddy shirts. Oh, so really? They're coming. That's, Don't you worry about it. It's going to be a big hit. I'm glad you all enjoyed that as much as I did. <laughs> I'm so... <laughs> it still just kills me. I know. If you haven't watched the YouTube video, you should. Cause, that's a good one. Man, we, we lost it. We're really funny. <laughs> Yeah, don't know if y'all heard this, but we get a big kick out of ourselves. <laughs> okay, so we were off last week. Kara went to Disney World. I did. Mm-hmm. Yep. In the heat. It actually wasn't too bad because we had these like weird little cooling towels. Oh, yeah. And you had to those. keep them wet. We used to take those to Bonnaroo. When they were in the package, though. Mm-hmm. It was like, long. they work great. Yeah, we yeah. loved them. Uh, so I just put one. I had this. I don't remember what it's called. It was well worth the 98 bucks I spent on it. It's this fanny pack, but it has a seat on it. And I just put olive on it. Didn't hurt my back at all. Oh, nice. And I just carried her around the park like that. Oh, that's great. At Hollywood Studios, we ended up renting a stroller so I could ride some rides and she could sleep in it. But I just carried her around. If I had to feed her, just pop her, pop, like switch it around, feed her like this. Did you guys do the Toy Story ride? Oh, we for sure did. Did you win? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she loved Kara's it. Kara's bizarrely good at the Toy Story. And ride. I was holding a baby. She kicked my ass so hard at that. Did y'all go to Star Wars? Yeah. We God. Did. I have so many pictures. I'm going to do a photo dump in the Patreon. Oh, man. It was great. Yeah. Oh, here's the thing to tell you guys. We're going to have our Patreon episodes, but we are probably going to be off the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. We might record. We're going to see if we can get some extra stuff recorded. I just don't know. I'm going to be moving, and we've just got a lot of stuff going on the next Back couple weeks. school stuff. How? Yeah. How? So the last week of July and the first week of August, we're taking off. Yeah. Patreon, for sure, we'll put yeah. out, but the other stuff I'm not positive about. But we will be back. I know mm-hmm. we keep telling you guys, like, hey, things are crazy, yeah. but I do see a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> it's your guys. And I'm so happy. I'm so happy there's a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> um, so just so you guys know, that's coming. Okay. I have a story for you today. You do? I'm bringing the mood way down. Oh. Listen, I asked my daughters yesterday, I was like, what should I do my episode about? Because I, I cut it to the last minute yesterday. I could right. not come yeah. up with anything. And Lauren goes, the bone breaker case. <laughs> I'm not doing the bone breaker case. No. I started reading about it and I just, <laughs> that is the worst. You it don't is, do that. It is the worst case. It's a care case. You should do yeah. it. And if you do it, you need to warn me ahead of time. I need Three to prepare myself. I need to have about a whole bottle of bourbon before you start okay. telling me that story. Like, it's okay. it's horrific. Yeah. So you all can go read about it if you want. I'm not telling you that story. I'm Ooh. telling you a different one. It's, <laughs> it's also terrible, but it's just, whoa. 
Man. Okay. Lauren is definitely more on your wavelength of great of traumatic stories. Great. great. <laughs> I'm going back to a missing person story. I, okay. You know, it's a it's definitely a Megan. Yeah. A Megan one. So today I'm telling you about one of Iowa's coldest cases. Okay. The disappearance of Jody Hoosentrut. Yes, I looked that up and I spelled it phonetically for all of us. You're welcome. Hoosentrut. Hoosentrut. Huh. What's an Iowa accent? Actually, it's funny that you mentioned that. She was well known for her very thick Midwestern accent. Oh. It reminds me of. Don't you know. <laughs> on TikTok. You know that? Mom, Emily Vondi. Yes. Who has like the curly hair and she's super pregnant uh-huh. and just the most adorable person ever. And she has that thick Midwestern mm-hmm. accent. That's who I think of. I love her. Yeah. If you all don't follow her, em- Emily Vondi, she's on TikTok and Instagram. She's super pregnant. I think she has four kids. Yeah. She seems like the most happily married person ever, which I always admire. Look her up if you don't already. Okay. Jody Hoosentrut was born June 5th, 1968 in Long Prairie, Minnesota. Minnesota. Don't you know. Don't you know. <laughs> the youngest daughter of Maurice and Imogen Hoosentrut. Imogen went by Jane. Oh, okay. She was really into golf in high school. Oh. She helped her team win two state tournaments oh. before going to college, where she studied mass communications and speech communication. Oh, wow. And then she got her bachelor's degree from St. Cloud State University in 1990. Fresh out of college, her first job was with Northwest Airlines. It didn't say what, but I would assume as um flight attendant. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was thinking airline attendant, and that was not the right word. Yeah. If you look her up, she's... Beautiful. She was just so cute. She ends up, she's a journalist is what she turns out to be, a TV journalist. So she has that look, right? Like, not that you have to have a certain look, obviously, to be a TV journalist, but they always do, right? I think think that's probably part of what comes with it. You Mm -hmm. know, you learn to have a certain look because you're going to be on TV. Yeah. So her first job was with Northwest Airlines, but she began her broadcasting career shortly after as the bureau chief at CBS affiliate KGAN in Cedar Rapids, Iowa before going back to Minnesota for a job at ABC affiliate KSAX. And she finally went back to Iowa, taking a job as the morning and noon news anchor at the CBS affiliate KIMT in Mason City, which is where she was working when she disappeared. Oh, wow. Okay. I have this obsession with Mm -hmm. the work schedules of TV journalists, (laughs) which began because of TikTok. Right. I didn't know that I had this obsession. (laughs) But Tell me about it. I started following this girl, Sophie, who was like a meteorologist. And mm-hmm. she's not anymore, but I say this like I know her. But it's just right. because I followed her on TikTok. Yeah. And she's now no longer doing the news. But if you're into this sort of thing, there's also Caroline on TV. And she does still do the news. She does. She anchors. And, like, she's always doing her makeup, like, three seconds before she goes on the air. And that just fascinates oh. me. Like, she's on there and she's, you know. And oh she's funny gosh. and yeah. she's just charming and I just really like her. So, I don't know. I just enjoy it. It's like, like Sophie. the dancing weatherman. Yes. <laughs> Have you seen the weatherman who has to fit his song lyrics? Like, somebody will give him song lyrics and oh, he yes. will work yeah, them yeah, into yeah, yeah, his. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I just think it's the funniest yeah. thing in the yeah. whole world to listen to I have to seen that. Do. That's funny. One of them he did Hot in Here mm-hmm. by Nelly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have seen that. It was amazing. Okay, so at about 4 a.m. on June 27th, 1995, Jody's producer realized that she hadn't shown up for work at her usual time, so she called Jody's apartment. Now, usually Jody left for work at 3 a.m., but when her producer called at 4, Jody answered the phone, and she was like, oh, no, I overslept. I'll be right there. But then it gets to be 6 a.m., and Jody's still not there. 
So her producer, her name was Amy Coons. She filled in for Jody for the morning news. Okay. At 7 a.m., Jody still hasn't shown up. So the KIMT staff called the Mason City Police and they were like, can you just go by her house and check on her? So this is what I'm talking about with my weird obsession with the journalist TikToks. The schedule that the news anchors live on is just different from a lot of Mm -hmm. us. And as women, I think it just adds an extra layer of interest because Jody was usually getting, like, leaving for work around 3 a.m. And, like, Sophie, that former meteorologist that I followed, she would be making TikToks getting ready for work at 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, my gosh. And I would be watching those thinking, like, God, what time would you have to go to sleep to be getting up, you know? Yeah. And I would think about how it affects your sleep schedule and your social life, but I didn't really think about until reading this story how, like, what a vulnerable position it would put you in. Yeah. Because you're leaving your work in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, you're also a public figure. Yeah. And you're an attractive woman Mm -hmm. who shows up on TV every day. And there are going to be people who obsession. Right. Who have these unhealthy, creepy thoughts about you. Yeah. And you're just doing your job. Right. And there are people just watching you do your job. Being creepy. Like creepy, creepy creepers. Creepers. Disgusting, disgusting creepers. Disgusting creepers. That reminds me, actually. Okay. <laughs> tangent. Have you checked tangent. your spam folder on Instagram on your Mini Adventures of Kara account? No, not yet. Okay. You should. So I don't usually either. Uh-huh. But I did recently. And there's this person who follows me and you uh-huh. and the podcast. So I feel like it's a podcast connection yeah and they like us a lot it's not it's nothing they want to wear our skin it's close to it it's (laughs) i don't even know how to describe it it's like woman hating and a lot of rage and rage not anything sexual not anything flirty it's more anger and woman hating and um not in touch with reality. Oh, that's fun. It's not so much what they're saying, yeah. although that's a lot. Yeah. It's the sheer volume of messages. I'm talking. Oh. I showed it to a friend of mine and he was like, whoa. And I was like, yeah, I scroll. I was like, look at this. There's a lot of scrolling. I'm talking like, I mean, a lot. And I, I kept meaning to message you and be like, are you getting these messages too? Anyway, and we're not anything, but right? Right. <laughs> this woman. Okay. So. Police immediately went to Jody's apartment and didn't even have to go inside to find something suspicious. They found her red Mazda Miata in the parking lot, and there was evidence that a struggle had taken place near the car. Her hair dryer, shoes, earrings, and hairspray were strewn across the ground, Ooh. as well as a bent car key, like she was oh, putting it in the car. Yeah. Police also recovered an unidentified palm print from her vehicle. And there were drag marks across the pavement, which just makes me. Yeah. At least three neighbors in Jody's apartment complex said they'd heard screams at about the time that she would have been leaving for work. And another neighbor, or it could have been one of those three, Mm -hmm. also reported seeing a mid-1980s Ford Econoline van parked with its lights on and engine running in the parking lot of Jody's apartment complex at about the same time. Oh, no. That van has never been identified. But apparently... Nothing else really came from the initial investigation. In September of 1995, 
Jody's family hired private investigators from McCarthy and Associates in Minneapolis. And then McCarthy and Associates in turn enlisted the help of private investigator Doug Jassa out of Omaha. Those PIs together go on several national television shows like Unsolved Mysteries and America's oh, Most wow. Wanted. Okay. And then in November, the PIs, along with some members of Jody's family, mm-hmm. go to LA to meet with three pom- prominent psychics. And then that meeting was televised, and that became the pilot for the TV show Psychic Detectives. Oh. All of these television appearances generated a whole lot of leads, obviously, but Mm -hmm. none of it went anywhere. No concrete evidence, no suspects. In May of 1996, a year after Jody vanished, about 100 people came together and volunteered to search an area of Cerro Gordo County and marked... It could be, it's C-E-R-R-O, Cerro Gordo County? I don't know. And marked anything suspicious with flags. And then law enforcement went back and, like, re-examined all the areas where they put flags. Mm -hmm. And this also went nowhere. Investigators have conducted over a 1,000 interviews, but still no conclusive evidence pointing toward a suspect. So (laughs) this is what kills me about this case. There's just nothing. Right. Like, literally nothing. There was plenty of, like... Hints that something happened to her. Yes. It has been 30 years. Literally nothing. Jody Husentreat was pronounced legally dead in May of 2001. She was 27 years old at the time that she disappeared. Oh, my gosh. 27. In May of 2003, Minnesota TV journalists Josh Benson and Gary Peterson created findjody.com to keep Jody's case in the spotlight. So you can go there to find links to basically all the info there is out there. And it's also where you can go to submit tips. So this case doesn't have a lot of information about it, but it struck a chord with me. I think because of that scene in my head that we just talked about, like she Mm -hmm. was just going to work. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And she was walking out to her car like she did every morning. She was putting her key in the door and someone just grabbed her. Yeah, she had all her necessities she needed to freshen up in between. Yeah. I can go through life trying not to cause a problem or give anyone a reason to come at me. I can stay out of trouble and not live Mm -hmm. a dangerous lifestyle and not put myself in life-threatening situations. But when it comes down to it, I'm still a female Mm -hmm. and I exist. (laughs) So one of these days, I could just be living my very boring life, going to work or going to the grocery store or walking my dog. And some asshole can just be like, I've decided to take you. I'm going to snatch you up. Yeah. And I do not care for this reality. (laughs) No. That we live in. Like, I just, she was just going Going to work. work. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. There's this quote from a 1995 Des Moines Register article that sort of gets to what I'm talking about. The fear that Jody Hoosentruth's abduction stirs is widely shared. Women's vulnerability to crime is well understood, though not talked about much, perhaps because it's a fact of life, however abhorred, and because it is usually harassment or robbery or rape, but not a disappearance into thin air. Mm. 
So here's a super weird thing that happened. In June of 2008, photocopies of 84 pages of Jody's personal journal were anonymously mailed to the Mason City Cloudy... Nope. <laughs> City... <laughs> okay. <laughs> 84 pages of Jody's personal journal... <laughs> Words are so hard. I'm a grown woman. <laughs> I can say words. (laughs) Every one of them. Here's a super weird thing that happened. Yeah. (laughs) In June 2008, photocopies of 84 pages of Jody's personal journal were anonymously mailed to the Mason City Globe Gazette. They arrived in a large envelope with no return address, postmarked June 4th from Waterloo. Huh. Jody's original journal has been in the possession of law enforcement ever since she disappeared. So it's like, and it's who matching, made these copies? It's matching and who pages this? from this? Mm-hmm. It's photocopies. So when police investigated, the sender came forward. It was the wife of the former Mason City police chief. <gasps> he had taken a copy of the journal home when he left office. Huh? The police gave no motive as to why his wife would send these copies of the pages to the newspapers. I have no idea what this is about. I would really like to be kind about it. I really, I'm struggling to. <laughs> I'm really struggling to right now. <laughs> it's a stretch. And I very often give people far too much of the benefit of the doubt. I really want to think that the chief took the copy home because it's a case he couldn't let go of. Mm-hmm. And even when he left office, he just wanted to keep investigating it. And I want to believe that the wife just wanted to get it out to media because it was June and that's mm-hmm. the month she disappeared 13 years earlier. So the wife was just like, let's make news again. Yeah. But she couldn't do it. She had to do it anonymously because he probably wasn't supposed to take mm-hmm. it. I mean, I'm trying. Let's go there. That's mm-hmm. what I'm going to go with. Okay. And truly, maybe that's all it was because there wasn't anything really scandalous in those pages. Okay. Um, I found them and I debated about whether or not to read them because it feels a little wrong. Right. And I feel like Jody's been violated enough. On the other hand, I like it when we can show you guys who a person was. And yeah. I don't feel like you've really gotten to know Jody's personality just from the details that I've given you. Yeah. Since there isn't, there are no motives. There are no suspects. You don't get a good so inside crazy. look at who she was. And it doesn't seem like her family is upset about the journal being leaked. So in the end, I've decided to introduce you to Jody by reading you her own words. So we're going to get into that next. She was super career-driven, which is part of why I keep getting like, <sighs> she was just going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's so frustrating because she was very good at what she did. People loved her. She was a well-known TV right. personality Everybody at the time. at her office was just like, yeah. find her. Like, and here's it's like, this page we've created. Because she was good at what she did. Yeah. You know, it's just fresh. It's She's just going to work. Mm. So anyway. Her daily life was all about work, her family, and her friends. It looks like she started keeping this journal in 1994 as part of an Anthony Robbins success program. So that's Tony Robbins. If you don't know him, he's a motivational speaker known for his self-help books and seminars. Mm -hmm. He's in movies and stuff. Um, And this makes sense. Her sister Joanne said that Jody did a lot of self-improvement things. She knew that Jody kept a journal. She kept a journal, listened to tapes, took courses, Joanne said. Self-improvement was important to her. 
So the early months of her journal were all about her goals and how she wanted to improve personally and professionally. So here's a quote from one of the first entries. Remember, there is no time better than now to begin practicing being the best I can be and living the way I want to live. Mm, I know. I love that. I love the news, she wrote in a late January 1994 entry. Improve my career, make more money, communicate, have more impact on a larger audience, get the Who's in Truth name out, make mom proud. Oh, I know. Oh, gosh. More quotes. I need to give myself five years in business. I'm not where I want to be. She wanted to anchor a top 50 television news station, get rid of her accent. Apparently, like I said, she was really well known for this thick Midwestern accent. She wanted to live somewhere warm, have enough money to travel, and to buy nice gifts for those that she loved. I know. I just love that that was like on her list. Yeah. By March of 94, she was thinking about career moves. She named Paula Zahn and Kathy Lee Gifford as role models, which is exactly. Oh, my gosh. In the early 90s. That's exactly who a female journalist would name as role models. She also talked about some personal life things. The May 31st, 1994 entry states. I'm recovering from Memorial Day weekend. Unbelievable. The Indy 500, a time of my life. I partied with so many wonderful people. Mario Andretti, Joe DeMars, and Tim Allen. Had an incredible weekend. I know. (laughs) I was like, in October of 94, Jody and her mom went on a cruise, and she wrote, Mom and I had a super cruise. We had the time of our life. Cute. In several entries, Jody wrote about male friends and a love for dancing. On the cruise, she met a man she liked. Why do I get hooked so fast? She questioned. I'm lonely here at times. I would like to have someone to share my life with. Sure, I meet men, but none that really strikes me or who follows through. Oh. On Valentine's Day, she wrote about how her mom sent her a half a dozen roses for the second year in a row, and her sister called. And she wrote, I'm blessed with a great family. cute. In March of 95, she said, I'm starting fresh at work this week, getting up at 3 a.m., best newscast in the world, top 10 market. I really think I'll market myself for Arizona, see what they think about my accent. I just hate that she was so self-conscious about her accent. Or I'll move down there to produce. In April of 95, two months before she disappeared, Jody wrote, my number one goal is to get a new job. Mm-hmm. The final three entries in the journal, June 12th, 13th, and 25th, include the name John Mm-hmm. I meant to look that up. Van Sice. Van C- it's V-A-N-S-I-C-E. I would say Van Sice. Okay. A friend who police have questioned in the case. She was actually with John the day before she disappeared. She played in a golf tournament, and then she went to his place to watch a video of this thing that I'm about to tell you about. So on Sunday, June 11th, 1995, she wrote... What a weekend. Surprise. My Mason City Clear Lake friends threw a big party for me. It was in Clear Lake. John Van Sice mm-hmm. grilled 150 pork burgers. We were dancing on tables, dancing everywhere. Everyone had a ball. Video camera was rolling. Cameras were clicking. Oh, what fun. Life is so good. On Tuesday, June 13th, she wrote, Last night, John and I went to the Glenn Miller Orchestra in Belmont. I have so many great viewers. People are so kind. I bought a new Mazda Miata. Simply love it. Here's a side note. She hadn't actually bought that Miata yet. She was trying it out. The owner had let her take it. I mean, I'm sure because she was like a well-known person, they weren't Mm -hmm. worried about it. And they were just still working through the price. And that's the car, of course, that That she had. So after she disappeared, her mom worked out a sale price with the owner. So her mom Mm -hmm. ended up buying the car. 
So on Sunday, June 25th, she wrote, got home from a weekend road trip to Iowa City. Oh, we had fun. It was wild partying and water skiing. John's son, Trent, gave me some great ski tip advice. Great friends, but professionally, I'm fed up. It's difficult finding a new job, and I'm confused about agents and what to do. Uh-oh. Two days later, Jody disappeared. It's sad because it sounds like she and John were just starting this promising new yeah. relationship, and you can tell that she had been hoping for something like mm-hmm. that. And then this happened. Yeah, she was writing about how much fun and mm-hmm. all the things they were doing. I didn't read anything to make me suspect John of anything. He's never been named as a suspect. I think he was questioned just because of his role in her right. life and his relationship with her. Yeah. And it seems journal. like, yeah, he's the last known person mm-hmm. to have seen her alive because they know that he was with her the night before. In March of 2017, a search warrant was, I mean, 2017. So they are still actively working this case. Yeah. A search warrant was executed seeking GPS data for two of John's vehicles. But I'm assuming that nothing came of that because there's not been any updates. There's a podcast called Find Jody that was created by the two journalists that created the website that I told you about. So if you want a deeper dive into this case, I would start there. I do have questions. The main one being, we know Jody usually left for work at 3 a.m. Right. When Amy, the producer, called Jody that morning, she could tell that she had woken her up. Jody was like, oh, what time is it? And Amy said that this had happened a few times before. Okay. And usually when it happened, Jody would be at work in like 20 minutes. So at 4 a.m., Jody should have already been at work. Right. So whoever caught her at her car in the parking lot, how long were they out there waiting for her? Yeah. And was it someone who knew her usual schedule mm-hmm. because they knew her that well? Yeah. Or because they were stalking her? Right. Because if it was someone who, like, knew that she would usually leave at 3 and would be at work by 4, you yeah. would think that if they got there and she hadn't left by 4, mm-hmm. they might have been like, oh, maybe she's not going to work. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or maybe they knew, like, no, she's going to go. Yeah. I don't know. I just think it's weird. Yeah. And how did they know she was alone? Right. In February of this year, private investigator Steve Ridge offered a $25,000 reward for information in Jody's case. Mm-hmm. The reward does not require an arrest or a conviction. Just the recovery of Jody's remains. Oh, my gosh. Right. So they just want to bring Jody home. Anyone with information about Jody's case can reach out to the Mason City Police Department at 641-421-3636. Information can also be provided to Iowa DCI Special Agent Ryan Herman at rherman at dps.state.ia.us. And I'll put that in the show notes, too. Yeah. I'm going to close this out with a statement from Jody's family that they put out this year. Wow, 2023. Mm -hmm. It's now been 28 years since our Jody went missing, and it is so hard to put into words the emotions we are feeling as we mark yet another year without answers and justice in her case. 28 years since we last saw her smile, heard her laugh, or had a chance to hug her and tell her how much we love her. 28 years of not being able to share in experiences and make memories together with her. 28 years of pure anguish dealing with the loss of our dear Jody and trying to find answers to what happened to her on June 27, 1995. We, Jody's family, would like to say a big thank you to all of you who have shown up here today who continue to show interest in Jody's case. This is at the announcement they were doing the $25,000 reward. We know that along with us, you feel the pain and agony over Jody's case still being unresolved. Jody lived her life as an optimist, and she had a great passion for living life to the fullest. She was a bright light in the world. And you would often hear her exclaim, I love life. Oh, God, I know. 
We know that she would want us to be happy, be positive about the future, and to make the most out of our lives. However, we have to admit that as much as we remind ourselves to do so, sometimes it is just too hard to feel this way. We have our moments when we feel very sad, bitter, frustrated, and angry that this has happened to our sweet Jody and to our family. Jody had such a bright future ahead of her, and she should be here every day enjoying it. She deserves better, and we continue to pray that someone will come forward with the missing piece that will finally solve this case and give Jody the justice she deserves. So sad. I know. It is the saddest story. It has to feel just so hopeless that there has been nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. You can't point to anything yeah. and say, like, here's, here's a place to start. Oh, my gosh. So, again, there's a $25,000 reward. It does not have to lead to arrest. They just want or to bring conviction. her home. Yeah. They just want details of her. They just want to know where she is. And that PI, Steve Ridge, he is like, at this point, I feel confident that several people know what happened to her, which I think is an interesting thing to say. And I wonder what he yeah. means by that. Yeah. But I'm just like, if he's right— if you're listening to this and you Please. know anything, yeah, my gosh, $25,000 just to bring her home. Poor family. Okay, you guys, thank you for listening. Yeah. We'll be back with another episode next week. We love you so much. Goodbye. Goodbye.